Happy Thanksgiving weekend to all of you who are with us and are with us online. It's uh, a joy and a privilege to be able to gather together and to sing of God's praises and to set our thoughts and our affections on the God who is worthy of all the thanks. And we're going to do that together this morning. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to Psalm 136. I want to promise you something. I'm going to promise that you will memorize half of this psalm. Before you leave here, half of the psalm you will have memorized. If you've ever struggled memorizing scripture, today is the day that you break through that struggle. At least with half of this psalm. We're going to read the entirety of it, even though much of it is repeated. If it's repeated in the Bible, it's repeated for a reason, we should probably hear it. And so let's hear it together. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. To the sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them. For his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. For his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings. For his steadfast love endures forever. Killed mighty kings. For his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon king of the Amorites. For his steadfast love endures forever. And Og king of Bashan. For his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage. For his steadfast love endures forever. And a heritage to Israel his servant. For his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. For his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes. For his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. For his steadfast love endures forever. I think the psalm wants us to focus on something. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it calls us to give you thanks and gives us all of the reasons. And I pray that our hearts would be tuned to that today as we come to it. Help us to think deeply, feel deeply, and rejoice deeply over who you are, what you've done, and why you've done it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I want to bring our attention back to something that Chip had us read before he prayed. 
No day passed that wasn't a constant, painful, isolating reminder of rejection. The chronic, debilitating physical pain and discomfort was only matched by the deeper heartache from a lack of real, personal, human acceptance. He wasn't alone. There were others who suffered similarly, but he most definitely wasn't whole. To make the matter worse, this rejection was pervasive as everywhere he went, he was reminded again and again and again how not welcomed he was. His ailment, while a heart-deep hurt, was a skin-rotting disease. And there was no relief, there was no cure, no hope, just pain and misery. Until one day, this guy and nine others suffering the same ran into Jesus. Jesus saw them. And instead of a look of disgust or a darting glance away, Jesus looked right at them. Not with scorn, but with compassion. And as Luke records, all Jesus did was say a word, and they were miraculously healed. The ache, the pain, the stench, gone. They were now cleansed, restored, made whole. As they took in the overwhelming new reality of being healed, our guy felt something different, something more than just wonder racing through his heart. He felt worship. Perhaps the nine Others couldn't wait to get that clean bill of health from the priest so they could go back into society. But our guy had something more important to do first. He ran back to Jesus, fell at his feet, worshipped him, and said, thank you. Now we've all had moments in our lives in which gratitude and thankfulness flooded our hearts. The kind thoughtfulness or timely generosity of others toward us, the sacrificial care and nearness and presence of a loved one as we journeyed through a hard season. We have all felt gratitude. Gratitude, that's something we feel. But thanksgiving is something we do with what we feel. So we have felt gratitude, and out of that gratitude we give thanks. Thanksgiving expresses what is internal. It's bringing what is going on on the inside out, verbally and and otherwise. But we also know that giving thanks is hard. Giving thanks is hard because of the world in which we live. We are easily distracted or routinely discouraged. We don't have an attention span long enough to give thanks. Or we have been so defined by experiences in this life, we fail to feel the pulse of gratitude that moves us into thanksgiving. Giving thanks is also hard because of our own wandering, wayward hearts. We can be ignorant of or indifferent to or actually have ingratitude toward others and the good they have done to us. We can certainly be a miserable lot. And what's more, a lack of Thanksgiving reveals a heart that is being hardened by ingratitude or a lack of gratitude. That sense of missing gratitude speeds up the hardening of our hearts. And it's why we always need to be reminded of our need to give thanks. To give thanks to God. 
And we have ample, ample reasons for it. Psalm 136 is a very clear call. Give thanks to the Lord. It begins and ends the psalm. And everything in the middle and that repetitive theme is the basis for that call. So our charge this morning is to give thanks. To be a giving thanks kind of people. And we have some things that we give thanks for that our psalm instructs us in. And there are three that I want us to think about briefly this morning. One is we give thanks for who God is. And as we move through the psalm, we see we are to give thanks for what God does. And as we saw repetitively through Psalm 136, we give thanks for why God does it. We need to rehearse these joyful truths to our hearts. Because we won't naturally gravitate toward gratitude and thanksgiving. We need to be a rehearsing of these kinds of truths to us. The psalmist was very intentional here to repeat a phrase 26 times. Nothing new under the sun. People be people. And even back in the days of this psalm. And so we need to be reminded of this wonderful joy that we have to give thanks. The first that we find is that we give thanks for who God is. And our psalm doesn't waste any time. The first thing that it says, of all the things that could be said, the first thing that it says is that God is good. Verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That there is no one else like him. That there is none other like God. That God is good and it's so beyond good. And that, that sort of lift up off of our own selves and circumstances and the brokenness and the, the, the weariness of this world, to look upward to the one who is good. That we would see that he is like no other. He is altogether pleasing and delightful. The word there for good is altogether pleasing and delightful and is often used with ideas or themes of aroma or flavor. This morning before our service, we had a fellowship hour. And... And before anyone got here, the coffee was started because that is the most important aspect of any fellowship. It was freshly ground. And that smell was filling the little area in the kitchen and the lobby. And, and someone came in and said, oh, it smells great in here. Yes, it did. And yes, yes, it did. It was a pleasing smell. Giving thanks for God is good. He is he, the act of giving thanks is an aroma and a flavor, but he is the, the best aroma and flavor. There is no one better. There is no better aroma, no better flavor than God, if you will. I love what old, um, old, poor guy, I didn't mean to call him old. I love what a preacher from a different era said, Charles Spurgeon. He said this, he is good beyond all others. Indeed, He is good in the highest sense. He is the source of good, the good of all good, the sustainer of good, the perfecter of good, the rewarder of good. For this, he deserves the constant gratitude of his people. So you young ones that are in here, don't don't repeat what I'm about to say. He is gooder than good. He is the goodest good. 
There's no better good. Why do we give thanks? Well, because God is good. I know that can be a quippy and, and feel empty, but the, the depth and complexity of aroma and flavor kind of gives us an idea, a sense of like, no, this is a lasting goodness. A lasting goodness. So our psalm kicks right out and says he is good. Secondly, it says that he is over all. Verses 2 and 3. Give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. There's two things here that are being emphasized. Quant- qualitatively, none are, are higher, are greater. He's the God of little g gods and the Lord of little l lords. There's, there's no one qualitatively near where God is. He is over all, qualitatively way over all. And positionally, none are higher. None are better, none are higher. That's what these expressions are communicating. He is the ultimate in scope and significance and sufficiency and glory and holiness. There's none that can approach that level. And he is the highest authority and power. There are none greater in an authority or in power. He, he dwarfs everything. Why do we give thanks? Because he's good and he is overall. The psalm could end there and we would have enough sufficient reasons to give thanks, to be a given thanks people. These are important things to not overlook. I love how this psalm is bringing in something from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 10, 17 says it this way. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome. I love it that the article is there. The awesome. It's not just that God is awesome. He is the awesome. He is worthy of all of the gratitude and that coming out in thanksgiving. So that's, that's one of the reasons here that the psalm uh, emphasizes that, that we are to be a giving thanks people because God is good and he is over all. So what does this then good God who is over all do in this world and in my life? So let's bring it down into our realm. What does this good God who does, who's over all do in the world that we live in, and in our lives in that world. Well, we see a couple of things that take up the bulk of the psalm. First of all, what does God do? Well, He is the Creator, so He creates. Creation is His. Verses 4 through 9 draw that in, but I just want to read 5 and 6. To Him who by understanding made the heavens, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters, for His steadfast love endures forever. So what does God do? Well, he creates and demonstrates his power. So if he is the highest authority, there's no one like him. He's over it all. He is the one who brings all into existence. The cosmos over us with all of its splendor was thought of, brought into existence, spread out and put into place by God. He did it by his power. So not only does creation demonstrate his power, but it secondly displays his glory. In verse 4 it says that this creation is a display of his great wonders. If we can see creation as a display of great wonders, then what do these wonders say of the one who made them? If you look out and you are awed and filled with wonder at something made, what does it say about the one who made it? And so creation, like Psalm 19, it's, it's declaring the glory of God, displaying it for all to behold. So 
So what does this God do? Well, he creates. But within that creation, we see that God does something else. And this is really the, 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 essentially the rest of the psalm is that he rescues. What does God do in this world and in your life? He rescues. So far, we've been given instructions to give thanks. That's the instruction. That's the call of this psalm. Give thanks. Why? Because of who God is. He's good and he's over it all. And because of what God does, he creates and he recreates. He rescues. He redeems. He restores. So, it's, so these verses 10 through 25 serve as an always needed history lesson. And, and maybe you would write your own version of Psalm 136, speaking about the history lesson of God's rescuing grace in your life. But here, it's important for the people of God in the Old Testament to rehearse these as means by which they go about giving thanks. This is where it is to well up in gratitude and come out in thanksgiving. In verses 10 and 11, we see that the people of God were to be reminded that they were rescued from slavery in Egypt. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt for a steadfast love endures forever and brought Israel out from among them. They were rescued from slavery in Egypt. Then they were rescued through the desert in verse 16. To him who led his people through the wilderness for his steadfast love endures forever. Then we see that they're surrounded by more pagan enemies, if you will. And he's, God rescues them from them in verses 17 and 18. To him who struck down great kings for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings for his steadfast love endures forever. And then he's there's not just rescued from something, but it's also rescued into something. And we see in verses 21 and 22, rescued into the promised land. And he gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. This good God who is over all, he relates to his creation and to his people Through his rescuing power and grace. Because God's purpose is to ultimately dwell with his people. And he wants his people enjoying the pleasing and good aroma and flavor of his grace. This God is the one who is worthy of all the gratitude and all of the thanksgiving. Why do we give thanks? We give thanks for who God is and what God does. Why does God do it? Why does God care in such a way? And that leads us to the repeated refrain of Psalm 136. For his love has no end. The very last verse sort of is a a bookend. It's the very first verse. Give thanks to the God of heaven. For his steadfast love endures forever. And there it is. For his steadfast love endures forever. Why does God go about rescuing his people from all sorts of calamities? Because he can't stop loving his people. Why does he do it? Because he is love. Again, that could be a very empty, shallow, quippy sort of statement. But maybe the history review puts a little more depth and complexity to the nature and character and scope and significance of God's love for his people. And maybe your own story is similar to that. Maybe maybe your own complex story and God's goodness and grace and mercy and kindness and faithfulness to you in the midst of all sorts of maybe difficulties or challenges or circumstances. Maybe you have your own 
easily wandering heart, and yet God remains faithful. Why? Why does he do that? Well, the psalmist went out of his way 26 times to reinforce it, for his steadfast love endures forever. It's drawing on a very important Old Testament word. Some of you may have heard that word before, hesed. It, it means covenant-keeping, faithfulness, love. It's, it's a word that says God lovingly made a promise, and the depth and strength of that love will hold on to that promise forever. That nothing in the world around or in your own heart can break the grip of God's always keeping love. That he doesn't set it aside when we run ourselves into the wall again and again and again. He doesn't get fed up with us. Or he doesn't get overwhelmed by our circumstances. There isn't anything too difficult for God in light of your life. It may be too difficult for you, but not for God. There isn't any sort of waywardness that we may have in our own hearts that wander us so far that God can't reach. It may feel like it for you, but God's arm reaches longer still. Why? Because his love isn't quippy and shallow and pithy. It's deep, it's complex, and it's forever. That word is a very meaningful and loaded word in the Bible. And I love, there's a, a little storybook Bible, and I've, I'm sure I've referenced this before, so forgive me if I have. But it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. And the author, Sally Lowe-Jones, captures the, uh, the sense of this word really beautifully. And she says, this love is a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Now, that's what this word means. 26 times. The author of this psalm led the people of God to rehearse that truth again and again. 26 times in this psalm, we see it as the, the answer to the why for our thanksgiving. Why our thanksgiving is to be centered on God, the one who has a love that has no end. He keeps his word of rescue and the promise of being our God no matter what our world crumbles to or to what our hearts wander off. This is the why God does it. And it's a beautiful psalm when you see it in its place and role in the life of God's Old Testament people. It is to remind them that their hearts are to be filled with gratitude and their lips be filled with thanksgiving. But it's a psalm that still points forward yet. There's still... More to this story, because ultimately what is being said in this psalm is an aspect of what would be done in great measure, in full measure, in lasting measure in the personal work of Jesus Christ. The, the truth of, of the character of God and the grace of God that we see in Psalm 136, all of that puts on flesh in the person and work of Christ who enters into our world. The, the reasons for our gratitude and thanksgiving are, are ultimately because of Jesus. Now, I know that that can also sound like a Sunday school answer. But when you think about the depth and complexity of all that means, then you realize, like, Jesus entered into all of our humanity, entered into our world, this world that we have no strength to carry, 
He entered all the way into it, and he lived a life that we could not bear to live. We couldn't do it. We didn't have the moral and affection and worship strength to live the life that says God is worthy of every second. But he did. He came in and he entered into it. He, he put himself under the same restrictions, if you will. And he did it and he lived it and he lived that life for us. And, and then he took that perfect life, a life that had no sin, and he, and he went to a cross with it in our place. He, he took our place, what we deserved on a cross, to take a penalty that we earned, to, a debt that we couldn't pay. He paid it in full measure for all of his people. Nothing is left to pay because he paid it in full and not only that, but at the cross, he, he then gives this perfect standing that he has. And he gives it to us and he says, this is yours as if you did it. I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to take what you did and take it on as if I did it. He entered all the way in to bring about that rescue. And the author of life then died. Went into the ground. Went into a tomb. Dead. He entered all the way in. He didn't go like halfway. He didn't go three quarters of the way. And just before he died, he ah, darted. Gotcha. No, he went all the way in to the tomb. And that resurrection that we celebrate, he, he's saying everything that I have done, everything that I have done is fully validated in full measure. It is, it is done. It is finished. It is completed it is accepted death does not win he entered all the way into that he he is the means of our rescue so part of our story if we were to write our own psalm 136 that repeated that phrase for the steadfast love of god endures forever in our story it's going to be pointing us and directing us to to jesus who entered into all of this to rescue us and then in time and space and actuality at some point in many of your lives he burst into your heart and brought life where there was death. And you tell me, is that reason to have gratitude well up in your heart and thanksgiving to come out of your lips? Maybe, maybe you're here and you feel like a mess. Maybe the consequences um, in your life are overwhelming and you can't ever seem to do right. And maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you're here and you feel weary and worn down that life has been full and hard and you just don't have that much stamina. Or maybe you're here this morning and, and you feel pretty good about yourself. You've checked off some religious boxes. You made it for the last 10 minutes of fellowship hour. Or maybe you're here and you don't know what to believe or what to think. Maybe you're here and you're struggling to believe that God is good and that he is overall because there's been so much challenge in your life. Well, I want you to, to see the rehearsing that God's people were called to do in the Old Testament. What a pivotal place that had in their corporate gathering. It was to remind them of something bigger, something greater, and something yet to come. Psalm 136 isn't the end in of itself but it anticipates all that we see that Jesus has done. And so if you have felt any of those things that I just rattled off and you felt them with that great deep complexity that might be in your life, I want you to then see something even greater still. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his never giving up, unbreaking, and always 
forever love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While your life might have felt like a mess, Christ died for you. While you were wandering off headstrong in the opposite direction, Christ died for you. While you did not have a care in this world about a thing that belonged to God, God's love didn't bail. Christ died for you. This tells us so many great and glorious things. God still loves you. It tells us that we don't have to clean up our mess in order to be loved by God. It tells us that God's love is so provisional that Christ was sent to secure our forever rescue from our sin. It tells us that, God, that Christ's love is displayed so gloriously that not even death on a cross would snuff it out. And so would you now look and see then the steadfast love that never ends displayed in the person and work of Jesus? Would now be when you, like the leper, recognize not only being healed from the leprosy of sin, but also recognize the one who heals you. And would you now turn back from the way you were once going, turning back with a heart full of gratitude, and would you run to Christ, worshiping him and giving thanks? God is good, and he has done marvelous things, and we need constant reminders to why we are to be a people who give thanks. We need them read to us and preached to us and sung among us. Jesus is good, and he has brought about a glorious rescue. And we need to be so fixed on Christ that the natural growing disposition of our hearts pulsates with gratitude. And we need to turn back to Jesus, who healed us from our sin, fall at his feet, and worship him with our hearts and our lips, giving him thanks. For he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And as we reflect on it and think on it, I pray that it would prompt our hearts to be filled with gratitude and our lips filled with thanks. As we think about these things, may you be glorified and may your people be strengthened. And if there's anybody with us this morning whose heart is hard or wounded or far or worn or weary or lost or confused, God, I would just pray that you would bring clarity and peace and life. Would you do this? Would you bring about that great rescue? Even now, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand as we continue our morning giving thanks to our God and praising him. Try that one more time.
David. It's been a few years since we've actually incorporated this in any of our worship services, but in the past, we would occasionally take time for the congregation to express thanks or gratitude for something that God had been doing in their lives. Or maybe it's a spiritual growth or a particular answer to prayer. But there's a, there is a good that that does. It brings encouragement to the listeners in the room and with us online. It, it's an encouragement to hear uh, the thanksgiving of God's people together. Now, I know that this runs the risk of, of many of our more let's say, introverted types who would feel not comfortable speaking in front of other people to not share or express their, their thanks that God has been doing things in their lives. So I do know that there, there are many in this room who, would, who have a lot to share, who may not feel comfortable to share, and that's totally okay. That's okay. Um, there are others who may share, and, and we will join in in their encouragement. And then in your heart, express those those that gratitude back to God uh, as others share. But in this time, we're going to have um, the opportunity, and, and maybe, maybe we'll, we'll all just have a few things that we'll hear, um, but uh, we'll have an opportunity to express some giving of thanks. That's our charge today from Psalm 136, to give thanks. And so we'll have a couple of elders who are going to run with some mics that are down here at the front. Um, and if you have something that you would like to just thank God for, um, be thinking about um, keeping it specific to something that God is, has done and is doing in your life. Keep it short in the sense that um, we may not know all of the story, but God does. Um, and, and we can express gratitude in a, in a concise form. And then keep it sweet. Keep it certainly directed to God uh, in the ways that he is at work in your life. And so if you have something that you would like to share with us, just pop your hand and we'll make sure to get a mic to you. And we have one up front here. Um, and, and then um, just we'll make sure we'll get the mic to you and you can share it. I thought I had this together. God is good all the time. And this year I have been overwhelmed by God's goodness. As you all know, I've lost my dear husband in February. And God has filled every need and every want and every bit of loneliness that I've experienced. I've reached out to him when the loneliness just overcomes me. And it's like, Lord, you promised you'd fill me. You promised you'd be here with me. And I feel that peace. Or it's, Lord, I'm overwhelmed because I have all of this to take care of. And God allows my children to fill every need, and they take such wonderful care of me. And it's like I'm overwhelmed by this family of Trinity. We, Ted and I had been here for 58 years, and I can't tell you how many times this family has carried us. And I am just overwhelmed by God's goodness. Thank you. Sorry, we got to collect ourselves there, Elaine. <laughs> uh, 
I'm thankful for my children and their families and that God has granted them faith. Hi, everyone. I'm Ray. And so uh, I'm so grateful to be here at Trinity. And I'll probably cry, so I'll try not to uh, turn it into a novel. <laughs> I, um, I've, I've been a member of Trinity since I was 25 years old. And I would come back and leave, come back and leave, and, you know... Satan grabbed a hold of me more than once, and um, you know I, I, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, and uh, I managed to stay sober for quite some time, over 17 years, and I would visit Trinity on occasion, but never really got involved in the church. And then um, in August of 2020, Living here in Nashua, a clock tower, and my wife committed suicide in a in a master bath. And I hadn't been going to you know recovery meetings and 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 such. And um, after her funeral, Satan found the opportunity, and uh, I was off and running until um, seven months ago. And after um, 40-something years of not doing cocaine, I started IV and um, cocaine again. And um, <laughs> I pr a couple of months into it, I prayed every day for Jesus to help me get back into recovery and to stop doing drugs. And then one day... Bam, just like that, situation happened, uh, and um, Jesus saved my life, and uh, he, whoa, <laughs> he opened my heart up to the word, and, uh, and I've been longing and becoming, Jesus gave me the willingness to learn about his word and his love. And I'm so grateful beyond words, beyond words. Just, and thank you. Thank you, Ray, for sharing that. Thank you for being here. We're glad that you're here. I don't know why I'll never be able to figure it out, at least not on this side of the river, but God loves me, and that says it all. I just want to say that um, we've just been super blessed by Everybody here at Trinity who's made us feel like family um, with our family back home, the West Coast, I can't say um, with gratitude, our small group, um, I'm going to cry, um, just how thankful we are, um, again, like God filling those spaces where 
I get lonely and I, and I, and I'm like, why Lord, did you move us so far away? Um, but he brought us to a place here and brought his friends, um, here in the family here. So I can't thank Trinity enough for just loving on us. So thank you. The first time I attended Trinity was a Thanksgiving service. That's 39 years ago. In the 39 years that I've been here at Trinity, I've seen a lot of different things. I've been through a lot with Trinity going through a lot. I've uh, seen many ministries. I helped with ministries for a long time, still do to an extent, but I can't do the children anymore. I thank God for Trinity over the years, 39 of them. I want to thank this church for the Stevens ministry. It has truly been a blessing to me. God has reached out to me at a very difficult time in my life. I'm walking with my husband who is has dementia and is in a nursing home. And this church, God just reminded me of the friends that I already had that I didn't realize. And I joined Silver and Gold, and that's a wonderful, wonderful organization. And I can just tell you, please, if anyone ever feels like they need to talk to someone, there are people in this congregation through the Stevens Ministry that will reach out to you, and they will walk with you as often and for as long as you need. And I want to say one more thing. We are truly blessed to have a minister like Sean who can bring answers in his sermons every week. (laughs) This is the role to be in. If you look under your seats, you'll find us. <laughs> um, today, I'd like to praise and thank God mostly for his faithfulness. This has been a tough year for me all year long. I've had a lot of physical pain, um, different physical pain, um, financial setbacks. But God in his faithfulness has brought me through it all. And I just thank him for that. One or two more. Um, I'm thankful for strangers this week. Uh, I went out to try and help my mom move in, from Montana to Oregon. And along that journey, uh, my mom's a fairly tough individual. If you, if you know me, I'm kind of tough, but my mom's a next level tough. And so she doesn't have a lot of friends. And so I got out there and I said, who's helping us move, mom? And she said, I don't know. I thought you were going to figure it out. So, so God figured it out. Um, we ended up having, uh, I talked to Kim Mensch, and my mom was in Kalispell, which is where Kim is. And so that was the first part of it. So we had three different people, uh, including a, a, a young woman who worked at uh, Camp of the Woods 
and she actually worked with uh, a, a, a daughter of one of Leslie's childhood mentors or, you know, teen mentors. And so really come full circle. And then we got out to Oregon and I reached out to three different churches. One of them treated me like, why are you in this situation? And sort of real judgy, like sometimes we can be. But this other church, three people showed up, the lead pastor, associate pastor, and the, and the head of the, the children's ministry and her son. And it was just beautiful to see how, and then they prayed for my mom, and, and she was really moved by the whole experience. So it was really neat to see how God just jumps into the fray, and uh, even when mom's tough and son's tough, that he steps in and, and gets it done. So grateful. Awesome. And I know there are many more things that we could share. And I'm grateful for all that we heard and, and all the things that are in our hearts, the gratitude that, are, that is welling up. Let me pray. Let us sing um, some more. God, we thank you for uh, what was shared. And we thank you for the testimonies they are to your never stopping, never giving up, always and forever. What a privilege to hear these voices add uh, to that thanksgiving. And may our hearts be filled with gratitude and may our lives be expressions of thanksgiving back to you. Oh God, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand as we respond one more time to our God in thanksgiving and in praise.
来自。